0: Welcome to episode 37 of our weekend's booked. I'm Brielle. And I'm Kate. And this week we discuss House of Salt and Sorrow by Erin
1: Craig. Which I absolutely love this book. But before we dive in, how was your weekend? I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. Um, Actually, it was a
0: very lazy weekend for me. So Kate and I and Kate's mom have um, a step challenge going on. It's an 18-day step challenge per day. And usually I'm really good and I didn't do anything this weekend. I binge watched, um, the summer I turned pretty on, um, Amazon prime. I had never read the book. So I was like, let me just watch this. And then I watched the whole first season, stayed up way too late, basically didn't do anything on Sunday at all. So I know you guys killed me this weekend in steps. How was your weekend?
1: Well, I was happy that I caught up this weekend because I was, I swear I texted you last week and I'm like, okay, dude, I'm moving all day long and you're almost doubling my steps. Like, are you running marathons at work or what is happening? (laughs) So even with me being in the car, we went down to see my grandma this weekend in Fort Myers, Naples area. It was her birthday. So we wanted to go down there and be with her. So my husband and I drove down there. We had a really nice time. It was hot as hell there, though. I will say I didn't want to go outside. We ventured out to the pool one day and the water was hotter than the air. I was like, this is not even refreshing.
0: No, it's like you're like sitting in soup. I cannot stand when the pool is like that.
1: I was so disappointed. But we went down for a little bit and we ended up having a really nice weekend. So we got home this afternoon and it was nice to have the day off of work. Yeah, now you're back at it tomorrow, which really sucks. (laughs) Yeah, but that's okay. I have a pretty short work week, so I can't complain. Well, that's good. I'm glad you guys had a good time, though. I'm glad that you
0: uh, got to see your grandma. I love when you tell me all the stories from the weekends when you spend
1: with her. She sounds hysterical. Oh, she cracks me up. We have the best time. And I met some of her new friends, and I'm telling you the area where they live has the best Italian restaurants in the U.S. of A.,
0: I know you always tell me that and I get so jealous because those are really hard to find here in the South.
1: So the place we went to last night for her birthday is called, and I'm going to probably not pronounce this right, but Osterocelli. And I got the gnocchi because, you know, I'm a gnocchi connoisseur and I got to get it everywhere we go. And they were handmade. And the guy that owns the restaurant, I believe his name is Marco. And he's like legit Italian. And these gnocchi were huge. Like, not the little ones you think, you know, you can buy at the grocery store. They were enormous. And my husband was, like, counting them. He goes, oh, here you go, another plate where you only get 12 or 14 pieces of pasta. I was so full by the time we left there. But that's the best, though, when you, like, it's really good and you get your money's worth and you're full and you're happy. Oh, dude, I'm telling you. I could could eat at an Italian place every night that we're there because they have the best ones around and there's so many. And I haven't been to one yet that is not good.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I just so. love that you guys had such a good time.
1: Yeah, we did. But I'm glad to be home. I missed my dog. And uh, the heat's not as bad here <laughs> as it is there. Which, you know, any southern state, it's hot as hell right now. But the, yeah. the air down there is different. It's like you can't even go outside.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, and it's really hot here. So I can just imagine when you were telling me about it. You were trying to figure out what to do with your hair. And I was like, just throw it up in a bun
1: and go on about your day. Oh, yeah. An interesting little story that I didn't even tell you about. We got stuck in the elevator last night. Oh, maybe I did text you. Yeah, you text me. (laughs) Yeah. Did I leave out the part where um, it was pitch black in there? (laughs) No, you did say that and you were freaking out. Yeah. Kind of scary. (laughs) they have a generator in the building and everything was fine and it was working this morning but I have like a fear of elevators but there's no way I'm walking up eight flights of stairs unnecessarily so but I was yeah I was like wow what an exciting day
0: (laughs) all right Kate well tell us about Aaron Craig before
1: we get into this book So Erin Craig, there's not a lot of information about her. And I think maybe because she's a newer author. But what I did find is that she's a New York Times bestselling author. She's an American author who writes YA fantasy and fiction. Um, Something cool that you told me that I didn't see was that she collects typewriters. And she has a BFA in theater design and production from the University of Michigan. And just a little bit of personal stuff that I found was that she's married and she has one child. Um, and that she's an avid book collector, and that she's always loved writing stories. So not too much about her, but the stuff we did find was still pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It's probably because she's a newer author. I had never heard of her. Um, I do want to share that when I found this book, now you had already had it, and it was on my list. I, I have a list of books to look for. So if I see them, I can pick them up and that way we can throw them in the cup so we can read them together. But I actually saw this book at Walmart and it was one of those six ninety nine Walmart finds. I was like completely shocked. I texted you right away and I was like, is this the book that you have? And you were like, yeah. So I was like, all right, let me get it. Like you can't beat six ninety nine. dollars You cannot sleep on the
1: Walmart book aisle. No, and you always find great books in the aisle. That's how we found Fourth Wing. I know the the limited edition ones. Yeah, people were like, some kid needs to have that book. And you were like, hey, there's two at Walmart. I was like, buy (laughs) them. All right. So the house of salt and sorrows.
0: I'm just going to read the synopsis right off the back. We've decided that this is just the best way to do this book because there's a lot to unpack in here. So here goes. In a manor by the sea, 12 sisters are cursed. Annalee lives a sheltered life at Highmore with her sisters. Once there were 12, but loneliness fills the grand halls now that four of the girls' lives have been cut short, each death more tragic than the last. Disturbed by a series of ghostly visions, Annalie becomes increasingly suspicious that her sister's deaths were no accident. The girls have been sneaking out every night to attend glittering balls, dancing until dawn in silk gowns and shimmering slippers, and Annalie isn't sure whether to try to stop them or to join their forbidden trysts. Because who or what are they really dancing with? When Annalie's involvement with a mysterious stranger who has secrets of his own intensifies, it's a race to unravel the darkness that has fallen over her family before it claims her next.
1: This book, I want to just start off by saying, when you look at the cover of this book, it's very like under the sea, whimsical type, and it completely doesn't match the inside.
0: Well, it does... I mean, the sea part of it, because that's the setting, right? They, yeah,
1: of course. But from the look of it, I wasn't thinking that it was going to be as dark of a story as what it was. Yes,
0: yeah, so and we just found out that this is kind of, I say kind of very loosely, of a retelling of the Twelve Dancing Princesses, which we were not familiar with. But apparently it's a German fairy tale. It was... Uh, like rewritten by the Brothers Grimm. And it's basically about 12 sisters who all live in the same bedroom. And at night, their father locks them in. But in the morning, when he unlocks the door, all of their shoes are like worn through, like they've been dancing all night. And that's pretty much where the similarity of the two ends, because that does actually take place in this book, but everything else is like twist and turn, twist and turn. And you do not know what's coming next.
1: Yeah, I mean, right off the rip, by the time we start this book, there's only seven out of the 12 sisters still alive.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't just like they died of old age. Because even though, you know, people died when they were younger back in those times, they they all died pretty tragically. I think maybe the most tame death was the plague, the the, the sister that had the plague, but everything else was just
1: crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's really sad the way that this family is constantly in turmoil. And they describe, like, at great lengths in the book, how it used to be back then where you mourned for like an entire year. You wore black, you covered the mirrors, like, you didn't have parties. You just lived this miserable life for an entire year. And this poor family is suffering like loss after loss after loss after loss, starting with their mother. And, you know, I did think while I was reading this, like their poor father.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, first you, he loses his wife, and then his daughters start to die one by one. And he's, I mean, all of them really, they're, like you said, they're all in mourning for such a long time that they forget, like, how to live. They forget, like, the joys of life because it's pretty much frowned upon that they would you know celebrate birthdays or anything like that go to balls because they're supposed to be in mourning.
1: Yeah, but after the death of the one sister at the beginning, they have this stepmom who I think I told you I didn't like her from the beginning. Yes, you did say that. Her name is Morella because she was like, well, I think that this family has been mourning for too long and I'm going to drop this bomb on the whole family and not let your father mourn your sisters and act like this perfect Stepford wife when really she was the evil bee all along, like I thought. (laughs) Yeah, there was
0: definitely something off with her right from the get-go because she was a lot younger than him. Like, she was closer in age to the oldest surviving daughter than him.
1: So that's a red flag. Red flag right there. Well, I mean, think about it. She only married a guy for his money because he was loaded. Yes,
0: for his money. And she kind of got tricked herself because she gets pregnant with what she is assuming is a son. And she thinks that... Since it's a boy, he becomes heir apparent of Highmore, which is like this, you know, huge sprawling castle on a cliffside. But I guess she didn't do her homework on this family because that's not how it works.
1: Yep, it goes to the oldest child, whether it's a boy or a girl. So she was sadly mistaken.
0: Yeah. And I will say that when we were reading it and it was only like a couple pages into the opening of the book, they're having the service for the sister that had just passed away and I got game of thrones, Greyjoy vibes because the Thaumuses, which is like this family of sisters, they worship and like everybody around them worships the drowned God. And right away I was like, Oh, that sounds like the Greyjoys. And they even have this saying, it's like, we are born of the salt. We live by the salt and to the salt we return. And I was like, Oh, if that doesn't like throw me back into that scene in Game of Thrones when like the Greyjoys are like having a service and they're like, um, you know, honoring the God. I think I think maybe that's the Drowned God that they honor, but it's like the same type of thing. And I just like couldn't get out of my head. Like these people are like weird because the Greyjoys are like that too. Like it doesn't matter if you're a boy or girl, it goes to like whoever's the oldest.
1: Yeah, and I remember you saying that you had texted me and said it totally gave you like Game of Thrones Greyjoy vibes. And I was like, you know what, you're totally right.
0: Yeah, and I, lo- I love that when you can like, you know, books that you weren't expecting to be one way and then they are and then they like kind of remind you of like something you've watched or something you've read. Like I love how like authors kind of borrow from each other without like stealing the information or the the content, but like just borrowing it because maybe it's kind of like a dedication, I like to think.
1: Oh, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, and we read a lot of fantasy. So there's a lot of similarities in fantasy worlds. So there's always some kind of crossover. I know there's a lot of books that we read where people are like, oh, that's a ripoff of Sarah J. Moss and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, it's not. Just because there's fae doesn't mean that it's a ripoff. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: maybe that author is just kind of you know, paying their respects to the, to whatever author they're borrowing from, because it's, it's kind of like a, a way to say like, thank you. You know, you gave me this idea. I didn't steal it from you. I made it my own, but I did it because of you, because of your influence.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a good way to look at it. I just think, like I said, like, there's only so many avenues you can take with fantasy. So eventually there's going to be some books or worlds that intertwine and not in a bad way. no. Because- this book to me was completely different from anything that we've read. Yeah. I mean,
0: it has fantasy aspects in it for sure, because a lot of the things that happen obviously can't happen like in your know real life, but this was like really Gothic and really eerie. Um, but it was, it was like really mesmerizing the way that she delivered it.
1: Yeah. It definitely gave me the heebie jeebies at some points. Like, their little sister like freaked me out when she was like talking about how she could see their dead sisters and stuff
0: yeah it was like drawing morbid pictures and she was almost kind of like predicting what was going to happen as well like she drew some like questionable pictures and the rest of the family is like oh what are you doing <laughs> where did you get
1: that from yeah and she's like what do you mean don't you think my picture's pretty just yeah. the corn <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I really was like, I mean, I don't think it took us very long to read this book at all, because it really did like suck you in. And I'm glad I read it during daylight hours, because it really did kind of creep me out a little bit.
0: Yes, it definitely did. And there's another part in the book where the sisters are telling stories to one another. And I thought this was really cool, because if if any of our listeners are actually like hardcore readers from the time that you learn to read you may have heard the story the green ribbon that originally came from Alvin Schwartz it was um from the book in a dark dark room and that story really scared me when i was little but it is one yeah. of those stories that you can like tell around the campfire or you you know you can tell when you're trying to like tell little ghost stories like when you're at sleepovers and stuff because it's really simple but it's really scary
1: yeah I remember we talked about that in this book because I read that and I was like where have I heard that story before we must have been like at the same spot in the book because you text me about it and I was like that's where it's from yes I, I was like <laughs> I got like the biggest smile on my face it's like oh my god I know this story <laughs> it was like it was another aspect that made it even more creepier because it brings back that childhood fear of like all those horror stories you heard as a kid, which I love scary movies, horror stories. I'm all about the scary stuff. I just, you know, I can't watch it at nighttime. <laughs> no, I
0: agree. Um,
1: that, that part for sure, like really got
0: me. And then I was like, okay, well, let me, let me read and see like what else this book is going to uncover.
1: Yeah. I mean, the main daughter, Annalie, who the book, is basically following her because she's the one that figures out something is not right here. Her sisters, it seems like their deaths are a little bit too suspicious for it to them to all be accidents. And she was, there's a lot of sisters in the book. There's a lot of characters in the book. She was my favorite and not because she was basically narrating the story, but it was like, she was the only one who could get their head out of their ass to really figure out that there was something else going on.
0: Yes, because like we mentioned earlier, these sisters who now have come out of mourning, right? Because their stepmom is like, okay, we're not going to mourn anymore. We're going to celebrate because, you know, we have a, the birth of, of um, your new brother coming. So you guys don't have to mourn. So the, all the sisters, the surviving sisters get like brand new gowns and they're going to throw a party for, um, is, is it three of them and are turning 16?
1: Yeah, the triplets.
0: They're turning 16, so they're going to throw this ball. And they all get, like, brand new dancing shoes. But it's really strange because they haven't had the ball yet. And it's, like, two nights. And, like, all of their dancing shoes are completely worn through. And their father is, like, irate because he spent all this money. And he is, you know, blaming it on the, the peddler because he thinks that he, like, sold him, like, shitty shoes. But... In reality, they were actually, like, sneaking out and going into a different land where they were, like, literally dancing all night long.
1: Yeah, the whole... And the whole way that that does, like, a 360 by the end is, like, so creepy.
0: I know. This book was definitely full of, like, more twists and turns Than we're typically used to You know usually you have like one or two but like every time you turn the page you were like unveiling something else that you weren't expecting and I like really enjoyed that I liked to be like on my toes and it just like kept me reading like page after page.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, and a lot of times, you know, you can kind of piece together what's going to happen next. I felt like I couldn't do that in this book. No, I couldn't either because
0: every time I thought that I had everything figured out and I was like, okay, this character's, you know, on Annalise's side and this character's not and then page turn and you're like, oh, you know, my, my, my thoughts and my theories are absolutely incorrect. I had to start over, you know, from spot number one again.
1: But you're right. It was one of the things that I really loved about this book. It kept you on your toes, but at the same time, it was a complete page-turner. I didn't feel like there was anything that, like, dragged on or shouldn't have been in there. I felt like everything was necessary for the story. And I loved how it was kind of a happy ending. Kind of. Yeah, kind of a happy ending.
0: Um, I also liked how... Okay, so it's set in what you're supposed to believe is like a reality-based world, right? But then you have these fantasy aspects and then you have when you introduce, like, the gods that they believe in and the gods that they're not supposed to believe in. And there's, like, just little... Like, little pieces of, like, different fairy tales are in there, too. Like, you have, like, tricksters that, like, trick the girls and you have the evil stepmother and... I don't know, it just picked like so many different aspects of so many books that we've read like throughout the years, like not even just like recently, like throughout our whole lifetime and just like put it into one.
1: Yeah, I think Erin Craig did a beautiful job on this book and I'm really excited to read the second one, which we'll have to add to our list eventually, but it's called House of Roots and Ruin, and it actually comes out next week, I believe on the 25th. So I'm excited to see how she continues this story because I'm not sure which direction it's going to go.
0: Yeah, I think from what we've read, the second book is actually not about Annalie. It's more focused on Camille, her older sister, and how she's taking over Highmore. But from what I understand, she also is kind of like the caregiver to
1: the little creepy one, Verity. Well, it's going to be good. If it's anything... Even a 10th of how good we liked this book. It's going to be great. I have no doubts.
0: Yeah, I gave this book four stars. Um, Like I didn't even have a doubt in my mind. I was like, okay, four stars. Um, I heard, or not heard, but I read a lot of like Goodreads reviews that there was a little bit of romance in it. It was not like smutty at all. It was just like, you know, teenage romance. And a lot of the reviewers were saying how they thought that that could have been left out. And that was, it didn't really make sense. And I completely like disagree with that. I think it made perfect sense to the story. I think that the characters that were involved, you know, they were like considered main characters in the book. And it just made like perfect sense to have them,
1: you know, kind of have like a romance there i definitely agree if that wasn't in there i felt like something would have been missing from the story yeah because you have
0: Lee, but like she can't do everything by herself so then the other character who she's kind of like romantically involved with his name is is cassius and he like helps her you know but he's like described as like this really hot like he's not a pirate but he's like a sailor guy and i mean of course she's gonna fall for him that's what they did back then they're like 16 looking to
1: get hitched seriously can you imagine (laughs) no (laughs) but i think you're right i I remember you telling me that there was a lot of people hating on that aspect but i felt like once you when you read the book and you see cassius's background and story it makes even more sense for the two of them to end up together so i disagree with those people that say that completely I feel like the love aspect in this book was perfect. It wasn't like your normal, you know, enemies to lovers or whatever type tropes. We've seen a lot of fantasy books and it wasn't heavy on the smut, but it was the perfect amount of a love story to twist in with this story.
0: Yeah. I mean, overall, this is not a romance book. This is definitely more like a mystery, I would say, like a mystery thriller. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think that's how I looked at it as well. Yeah, but
0: it just, I I think it was just like complete with all of those aspects, you know, combined into
1: it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I actually gave this book five stars. Oh, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Listen, I told you last time, we've been reading a lot of really good books lately. And uh, for, for me to give a book five stars, when I finish a book, I have to be able to like not stop thinking about it for days. And this was one of those books there was and there was nothing in it that I that I sat and said to myself, why would I not give this book five stars? I never was bored. I never felt like I was pushing my way through it. It was completely easy for me to turn the next page. I wanted to know what happened. It kept me on my feet like I loved it.
0: Yeah, I I really loved it, too. It was really good. And I am excited to read the next one.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely an Aaron Craig fan for sure now. So I know she's written some other books. We'll have to look into those. I saw some on Goodreads today that I was like, oh, we might like that. Um, So we'll definitely have to look into that. But if you guys haven't read House of Salt and Sorrows, you should definitely give it a read. If you love fantasy and like the darker side of fantasy mixed with a mystery thriller, this is definitely the book for you. All right, guys, that wraps up episode 37. As always, if you liked what you heard, give us a rating on whatever podcast outlet you listen to and check us out on Instagram at our underscore weekends underscore booked. Again, I'm Kate and I'm Brielle. Until next time.